This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. Hey listeners, I'm Elise Hugh. Every Tuesday this month, we're bringing you music episodes from the It's Been a Minute Vault. You're about to hear a conversation from last year between former host Sam Sanders and singer Yeba. A heads up before we get started, today's episode addresses suicide, grief, and a frank discussion of mental health. Back in 2016, the singer-songwriter Yeba performed one of her original songs at an intimate venue in New York. The song is called My Mind. At a quarter till three You closed the door and lay down next to me It was just Yeba and an acoustic guitar and that voice. say her name in your sleep A video of this performance hit YouTube soon after and it quickly went viral. A lot of people, all of a sudden, we're talking about Yeba. Ed Sheeran was one of the millions to watch it, and he later said it made him cry. But shortly after that electrifying, career-making performance, this performance that kind of changed everything for Yeba, something else happened. A thing that would change everything in a very different way. And then was it, was it three weeks after that song came out? There was some tragedy. Can you tell our folks what that was? Uh, my mother committed suicide. Um, yeah. This is Yeba, which is just her real name, Abby, spelled backwards. Yeba's a nickname her mother had called her. You know, I didn't, I didn't really, I felt like I had lost everything, you know. And, and, uh, and I had to go through the first half of my 20s just missing my mom and you know, in denial that she was gone, really. And so, just as doors were opening for her, Yeba slowed down. She wanted time to deal with PTSD and just heal. That led to a roughly five-year wait between that first video from my mind and her debut album. But in those years, Yeba still made some music. She collaborated with big-name artists like Sam Smith and sung backup for Chance the Rapper on SNL. She even won a Grammy for a collaboration with PJ Morton. I want to dedicate this to my mother. Yes. Yes. Thank y'all. But all of that was really part of other people's work. Now, with her debut album, the music is all her own. It's called Dawn, which was her mother's name. Yeba and I talked about what it was like making her own thing, the experience of growing up in church, and what it feels like to shed old beliefs to make room for new ones. If you had to describe the album thematically in just a few words, what words would you use? I'd just use grief, a lot of panic. I was frustrated the whole time because I had this idea of, you know, if I ever did make music, which, you know, didn't really give a damn if people heard it, but I just thought, you know, if I ever made music, I would want it to be something that is, you know, laced with hope and like joy and love and things that, you know, all of these things that we love the idea of. But I was very scared 
the entire time and very just panicked. And mm. I feel like I installed a lot of panic in these songs. And you know, that's not something that idealistically you know, I would want to just give to the world. <laughs> Nobody needs more <laughs> panic. You know, we already have that. So, I, Yeah. But you know what I felt listening to it? You know, I think that there are some artists and some songs and some albums that purely live in sadness. And people need that for catharsis. They live in the pain. They live in that sorrow for a bit. And then there are some albums and some artists and some songs that are purely about joy and euphoria and ecstatic celebration. And people need that. But what I found with this album, with Don, and with a lot of your work, it is about the journey and the movement from pain to joy and back again. And it's accepting that both of those emotions and the panic in between is part of a full life and it's okay to live in all of that. And so I find that more interesting and more fulfilling. Yeba for me and Don for me is not one note. And I could see an artist like yourself after experiencing the personal tragedy that you did and having the voice that you have, I could hear a label coming to you or a producer coming to you and saying, make a sad album. We could sell that. Oh, they never got the chance to say that to me. You know, when I, I lost my mom. You know? mm. Yeah. When I was in that place of just shock, despair, like desperation, just wanting to go back home, like, you know, nothing that any stranger person has to say can even penetrate that guard, that mindset. It's not even really a mindset. It's just like a, it was just a symptom of grief. And I, you know, I mean, I'm happy, I'm excited, and I was always eager to learn, you know, from whatever music business people you know, wisdom they might offer, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, all right, well, I, I got to do this, and I got to do this with the courage that my mom, you know, installed in me before she left, mm. Mm. and allow myself to be somewhat, you know, of an independent thinker about how I feel about these sort of things, or how it feels at least truthful coming out of my mouth. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to have to sing it, if I'm going to have to hand deliver it to you, I got to make sure that it's got to be you. I'm, I can carry the weight. Mm. Is it a weight? I think so. I always try my best to honor my mom and, and honor where I came from to the best of my ability you know, this day. Yeah. I, I'm trying. You know? Yeah. So you mentioned feeling panic as you're making this album and panic being one of the emotions in it on top of a lot of other ones. When you hear the album now, it's all done. What do you hear now on the songs? Uh, I still hear panic. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Which one is the most panicky? You know what? I think the one, and it's my favorite one, But All I Ever Wanted, I think, is one of the more panicky ones. Yeah. I walked across the wire Straight to the razor's edge for you 
Okay, because that would not be the first descriptive word that I would think of when I think of that song. It's yeah. it's lush and lovely and, you know, pining for something. But it, I, I didn't pan it. Describe that for me more, how it plays into that song. Um, well, this was at a time where it was like just before. Have you ever gone through a point in your life where you feel like it was just a series of rapid I guess changes where old beliefs yes. or old patterns kind of just fell off of you. But yes. it was like right before one of these moments in my life. So then I write this song that's kind of laced with this lyrical skin on it that's like, looks like romance. You promised her everything but, but yeah. really it's like a frustration of God allowing my mom to make that decision. Which lyric in that song most gets at that for you? Was there a certain line? Well, I mean, it's all it's all love, but I've always said, "All I, God, all I want is your presence in my life. That's all I want because I love God's presence." And it's what I grew up on not, and around. Oh, yeah. Not to be too nosy, but what kind of church did you grow up in? Because I grew up Pentecostal. Did and you? I was the son of a church organist, and I was playing the saxophone in the church band. Oh, And they were speaking gosh. in tongues and falling out my whole life. So hearing you Sam. talk like this, I'm like, she knows church. Church, church. My dad's a pastor, and he plays organ. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my so gosh. I, so, like, hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're some church babies. Yes, yeah. we are. Yes. Yes, we are. Come on, Sam. Oh, what the wow. f- Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and then I was reading that your dad made you, like, basically praise and worship leader, musical director when you were 12? Yeah, like 13, 15. Wow. It was a small church, and it was a small town, so he didn't really have anybody, probably, that had enough free time. <laughs> so <laughs> I w- I, at 15, I was definitely picking the songs, picking the keys, you know, teaching the arrangements, rearranging things, sometimes rewriting sections. And then, of course, like, there's always, like, 10, 20-minute gap to do free worship. Oh, yeah. And that's where it just, like, pours out. And that's still, you know, it still runs deep. I could tell. I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of stuff were y'all doing back there? Was it, like, black gospel, white gospel, hill song, contemporary? Like, we were, like, our stuff was, like, songs you might have heard on the plantation. It was down home. Oh, really? Our stuff was a lot of Hillsong stuff. I just oh, always yeah. listened to, like, Israel Houghton, Marvin Sapp, oh, Clark my goodness. Sisters. Oh, come on. Yes. All that stuff, like, in my own Let free time. Let me find out you know about the Clark Sisters. What? Look, oh, and yes. we would sit there. My dad would dream, and he would say, Abby, please, before I die, even if it's at my funeral, please get me a huge choir, and I want you to sing me a gospel song. I love that. We used to jam out on a friend of God from Israel. Oh, yes. Uh, we could do Alpha and Omega for 45 minutes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we would just do it so long. I and am he had a this live album. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. And his live album from South Africa, I probably played that thing for two, three years, crying every time. Yeah. Oh, my Let's God. Go. There's Listen. the Holy Ghost in his arrangements. Yes. Like, yes. Um, yes. Uh, your love is too deep to navigate, too high to climb. But still it's available time after time, after time, after time, after time. 
all around. All around. Uh-huh. You like that one? Because that's my favorite I do. one. I do, yes. Oh, I was hoping you'd sing, and you did. I didn't want to pressure you, but you sang, and it just warms my heart. Oh, my goodness. Ah. You're getting these, you're getting these coffee, and, coffee and cigarette vocals this morning. Listen, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. What song on the album do you think your father, the pastor, would enjoy the most? That's a great question. I think uh, Stan. Yeah. The chorus is definitely something that I think comes from a little bit of my dad. He says, will you stand? It's just a question. It's not a demand on myself, but it is a question. Will you stand? Will you prosper? Will you lean into the timeless, bending, never-ending strength in your heart? Or will you falter? Will you recover after all the love you've lost and lost again? Will you stand? Will you recover after all the love you've lost and lost again? Will you stand, 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 stand? And I always tell him when he comes to one of my shows, if he's there, I'm going to find a way to do will you, you know, stand. And then I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. You know that song? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In all of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all. I am is yours. I'm gonna find a way to work that in when we do it yeah. live. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. You know, you gotta have worship, yeah. you gotta have some talking too. There you go, there you go, my <laughs> kind of church. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you talk about incorporating stuff because correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't some of the melody of stand but I don't want your also show up in one of the tracks you did for Mark Ronson's album. It does. That's where it started. Yeah. I want you, but I don't want your yes. reasons why. Okay, tell me that story. Because I, cause like, I was listening and I said, I've kind of heard a little bit of that before. <laughs> he said, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's shorter. It's much shorter there. You know, it's called When You Went Away. And this is when I first started jamming with Mark because, you know, we just kind of met here in New York and, and really I just kind of instantly trusted him. And even back when I did backgrounds for Chance the Rapper, and I felt like they were my family and same experience with meeting people like Sam Smith and doing a song with him. I always love working with other people or for other people on their records because I get to see, um, especially at that early time, before I wanted to step into any kind of, well, I'm going to be my own artist, but like, it was really beautiful to see people bring their own records to completion and being a part of that in a way and seeing the joy and the peace and the satisfaction that they get from saying, all right, we did that. And that was like, okay, so this is how it's supposed to feel when you really love something and you're proud of what you've made. Yeah. I hear you say how you like to collaborate and be a part of other folks' stuff. That sounds very church to me. Because, like, when you're in a band at church, y'all all all have to work together. 
oh, the yes. bass guitarist is just as important as the lead singer, is just as important as the organist, is just as important as the drummer. It has to be a partnership and, and a group effort, a total group project. So just hearing the way that you talk about your features, I hear that. I have to say, my favorite feature of yours, well, actually, I can't say just one, but you on that James Francis track, My Day Will Come. Oh, I'm so glad that's it your favorite. It's just magical every time. I have a playlist in my Spotify that I share with friends called Yeba Essentials. And My Day Will Come is the first song because I'm just like, this one hits me every time. Every time. Sam, I didn't know that you were the one that made that. Wait, what? Oh, you oh, saw it? Did you share it on Twitter? Did you share Yeba Essentials on Twitter? I, it's public and someone else might have shared it. But yeah, I, I, I made that. Yeah, I've looked at that before. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so I've looked at that out of the bag. I'm like, damn, they really like, you got that, cuz. I'm so glad. When, I, when that is on a playlist of my stuff, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Because you hear me, you know. That song was one of my favorite ones that's out that I've written. And, of course, I always love writing with James Francis. I mean, together, I really feel like we are both unwaveringly ourselves. Yeah. And it just ends up being truthful every single time. And I'm, I'm still proud of that song. After the break, Yeba breaks down her song, October Sky, and explains why it took more than 100 vocal takes to get it right. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, A People's History from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download it in your app store today. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. Uh, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. So, you know, hearing you talk about this, there's so much joy in these collaborations. And I think about making your album. It's different because so much of the album is dealing with the grief of your mother's death. And so as you put the album out into the world now, is that joy and satisfaction you feel on your features is a more complicated with this album just because of the grief that is a part of it? Um, now I don't really see my experience of grief as, as complicated as I did before. 
Mm. Um, Why do you think that is? I think just life. Yeah. Life and time and finding new ways to, you know, accepting and like inviting new creativity for my life experience, my day to day. It's just different now. It's much more different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I was reading some stuff on you. So there's a really good comprehensive interview that you did with the Telegraph recently. And you were telling them that like in the midst of your grief, your career was still happening. Lots of folks still wanted to work with you, but it was hard. And I believe it was the Ed Sheeran song that you did with him. Was it, you said you had to do like a few hundred vocal takes just to get it right because it was hard to sing. It was hard to well, sing. That was for the few hundred vocal takes thing, I believe, was for, you know, October Sky. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Which is about your mother. Yes. I recorded the October Sky vocal in New York, in LA, in the UK over the course of like a year. Really? You know, yeah. Because I said, no, that's not how I want to say it. No, that's not how I want to say it. And you know what? You know, every time I get to the mic, I feel like it's going to come out a different way. Mm. And I just couldn't find any, any, you know, acceptance of myself without my mom. So I think that just, you know, affected what I thought about my voice and how I'm articulating these things. Yeah. And the song, I want to just take a little time and tell listeners about the lyrics. Um, I didn't realize what it was about until I played it three or four times, but it's about a, I think it's about your childhood and your mom and like her having fun with you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, the lyrics say, she slid down the hall in her socks and yelled, come outside. No, 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 nothing's wrong. I just happen to have a surprise. No, 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 nothing's wrong. I just happen to have a surprise. So we fell through the door like the autumn leaves. And I wrestled my brother down to his knees. Just to watch as a rocket shot into the October sky. She would shoot rockets for y'all. That's just yeah. beautiful. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, my mom loved to be a teacher. She loved teaching. Mm. Mm. And every year in October, she'd have us watch, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal in his movie, <laughs> you know, October Sky. Um, and we'd shoot off bottle rockets. I don't know, that's something that just flashed in my head one day. And it was actually very early on. And, you know, I was, of course, in that state of panic, there's always this, like, <sighs> urge to feel like I have to analyze myself. And then that adds to the panic. But I felt like maybe this is, like, a moment of acceptance. Maybe I won't be miserable after I write it down. So you mentioned earlier 
that in the process of making this album and just in life in general, there are moments in which you're shedding old beliefs. Um, as you put this album out into the world, what old belief shedding do you think it most represents in its entirety? It's difficult to say because I feel like those types of things are the unspeakable, the ones that yeah. I don't know how to put into words. Yeah. If I'm walking, you know, down the street in New York looking for a city bike and something kind of just flashes in the back of my mind, I don't really know how to put that into words, which is something that, it, you know, causes me to still kind of roll my eyes at myself for being an artist and, you know, being self-important enough to call myself that, which you know, I think is kind of bogus, but it's like, I, I mean... Taylor Swift said it. She's like, the best movies we ever, you know, saw were the ones that, like, we didn't write or didn't... I don't know what the it is. But it's like... <laughs> I hear you, though. Yeah, yeah. The best songs that we live are the ones that we never wrote. Mm. Mm. Terrible job quoting that, but... <laughs> I'm not going to keep asking you questions all day, but I am going to say I so appreciate what you're doing and the realness with which you do it, I'm going to be in the front row at one of your shows. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Sam. I'll be so excited to see you when I do. Thanks again to singer-songwriter Yeba for talking with host Sam Sanders last year. If you are in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273 talk 1-800-273-8255 or contact the crisis text line by texting talk to 741-741 this episode was originally produced by janae west and edited by jordana hochman additional production and editing by anjali sastry kerbacek and kitty isley we have engineering support from kwesi lee all right until friday thanks for listening i'm elise hugh we'll talk soon Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> Stories that change the way you think about your life. How how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.